0: Hey there. We are back sort of. This is out of sync a little bit. We had been planning for set our season two and we've been recording. This is Nicole and Karina. <laughs> we should record hey. this. Um, and so we have already recorded our big season two launch um, podcast, but this is going to be like a prelude. And we're putting this out first because um, there are some really Significant things happening in the world and specifically in Canada right now and I just um, Let loose yesterday (laughs) in turn like it just became a thing and not that it wasn't but I just got to the breaking point for me So I'm gonna give you a little bit of background and a little bit of context for what's um, Mm -hmm. Kind of propelling this conversation today Um, a number of weeks ago there began these murmurs and these small news stories about a resistance that was building to a gas line um, in BC. And there were hereditary chiefs um, that were opposing a route that this gas line was taking. And the argument and the, the back and forth and the different perspectives have been growing and building. What's happened in, in recent weeks is that across Canada, Allies and other tribes have been um, standing in unity with these hereditary chiefs and causing blockades and stoppages of traffic and business and protesting outside of RCMP um, headquarters across the country because the RCMP have been taking um, what some would say is military action against. These protesters and land defenders, and it, it, the language is hard because depending on where you fall on this argument, you're right. going to want to use certain language,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and um, there has there's been an escalation in the level of aggression towards the protests and the land defenders and the demonstrations. And yesterday um, in Winnipeg, where I live, we woke up to acts of vandalism that had occurred uh, in three. Significant places in our in in our city. Um, one outside the RCMP building. One on one of our only Liberal MPs' office was spray painted, and then we are home for the Canadian Museum of Human Rights, and across the front of the Human Rights building, there was spray painting. And um, I have to say that the Human Rights um, response. Excuse my cold. I've been really sick for the last little while. So if you hear me like, it's um it's a cold. Um, Anyway, the museum actually posted about the the vandalism, but not so much about, oh, this happened to us, but this is a good question that I was asking. And and so what was spread across the Human Rights Museum was the sentence, is this the future you want? And so they use it as a teachable moment and opening up dialogue. Yeah. So all of this is happening and it's playing out on social media and in the news media. And then you get people responding and posting things and having conversations and you can't go anywhere. Um, Certainly in my area, we have a very high Indigenous population. I'm Métis, which is um, one of the recognized Indigenous groups in Canada. So you can't go anywhere without hearing people one way or another supporting or condemning what's happening. And a lot of the talk has a really racist undertone Mm -hmm. and just reeks of colonization and what I think was a breaking point for me yesterday was seeing people that I have lived in community with, attended church with, I taught their kids Sunday school. They taught me Sunday school. We were like ingrained in each other's lives for a long time. And they are um, speaking violence towards these different groups of indigenous people and their allies talking about running them over on highways and speeding up trains to knock over blockades. There was a round dance in at Portage Maine, which is our main intersection in our city yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, one person that I know quite well talked about the desire to speed through the intersection and clear the way. I know a lot of the people who went to the round dance. I've been demonstrating and attending rallies with them for quite a long time. Um, and it was heartbreaking to me, especially because a round dance is an expression of community. It's not a protest. It's not a political statement. It's a demonstration of how we belong to each other and how there's room for all of us and all of our voices. And um, it was heartbreaking. And so in the middle of all of this yesterday, I've been pretty silent on social media about it because, honestly, I don't understand um, the laws of the unceded territory where the gas line is. Um, proposed to be, and I don't understand the intricacies of hereditary. I know the over overview of hereditary chiefs hold the responsibility for the land, and mm-hmm. um, elected band councils are um, an expression of colonization that Canada wouldn't deal with Indigenous people unless they had an elected official. And somewhere in the middle of all of that, this 150 years of meshing, there's now clashes happening, and so I haven't been speaking out about it other than to support the voices that um, legitimately get to have a say. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But yesterday in all of this, I just felt really broken that Jesus followers, I felt were straying really far from who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And so I posted on social media, um, this question is, can we fully love Jesus if we don't love those whom he loves? And the responses were varied. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it's a question that I'm still sitting with and I'm still struggling because the immediate and easy answer for me is no. How can we fully love someone if we don't know their heart? Especially not just a person, but when this is a spiritual connection to part of the Trinity, how are we calling ourselves Jesus followers if we're not following the ways of Jesus? And um, I want to be real careful today because I don't want to participate in call out culture and condemning people and alienating people, which Karina actually spoke recently at her church and a all report she preached her face off and um, didn't an excellent. Well, her face is still there. It's okay. There's my name. Um, it came back. Yeah. Um, she rocked it, and this is one of the things that she talked about. So, could you talk a little bit about call-out culture and the toxicity of that, and where, where we need to walk this line a little bit? Sure. When we start having um, conversations about how we love.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that in some ways the the question that the, in within the vandalism is. I think a question that in a lot of these episodes we're really wrestling with. And is, is this the, is this the future you want or something to that effect? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in a place of like re-examining your faith, sometimes these questions come up and we get shown a mirror in a really uncomfortable place. Like, so we might, um, be seeing things in politics or in our churches or in our families that feel like really uncomfortable questions that we would want to not engage with. And so I just want to invite, first of all, to just recognize that tension that we might be feeling when we hear political conversations or when we're um, in faith conversations, that that's just a real experience that we can feel a lot of tension when we're seeing something maybe that we didn't see before. And so when I'm talking about call out culture. I'm, I'm talking about, sometimes it gets um, in church culture, it will get the heading of, I'm just speaking the truth in love brother. And I want to call BS on that. That, that is like, if that is your, if you have to explain to somebody that you are calling out the truth in love because it looks totally unloving, I think your actions speak louder than your words. You can wish that it was kind. You can wish that it was loving all that you want. But generally what happens is I get to dehumanize you and call it the truth and love because I feel justified in what I'm saying and the way that I'm saying it. And so um, like, I think the sermon that I preached on, we talked about the, the woman at the well and, and it kind of the, the, context that I had growing up was that Jesus calls her out on her sin, never mind the fact that there is no mention of the word sin or divorce or repentance or like none of those words are there, but those are the interpretations we've been handed. And I think it's worth noting that when we're handed that, we use it. So when we're handed permission to call someone out and say, hey, you're sinful right now what you're doing is wrong. You are a bad person. That's not the same as having boundaries. That's not the same as remembering the dignity of the other person across from you. That's not, that's not allowing for more than a single story and a single perspective, which when the roles get fixed, we fight against that tooth and nail because we know it's not the way. It's not the way of belonging to one another. It's not the way of community. It's not the way where we will grow and become more like Jesus. It's counter to the way of Jesus. So there's a difference between call out culture, which is like wants to, you know, kind of it's the finger in the chest, kind of like you better stop this. And, and um, it doesn't leave room for people to learn. It doesn't leave room for people to grow in their understanding. It, 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 in no way is it a posture of coming alongside and entering into the pain and story of someone else to bring presence and healing and life. And I think in this particular political moment in Canada, or I can think of in some other things where we're being invited to hold many different viewpoints, and then to find a way forward. I think we need to realize that um, call-out culture does not bring change or life or dignity. And, And I think those are things that Jesus somehow, even in the most difficult circumstances, manages to always bring with him in his interactions. I think, though, there are people that will
0: that will go back to some harsher moments of Jesus mm-hmm. and the brood of vipers and right. you know flipping tables and and right. that. But I think it's important to note the only people who drew that out of Jesus were those who were self righteously condemning the least of these. Right. And we're, we're spiritually manipulating yeah. the situation. And I think that we forget that.
1: I think what it, it always surprises me that we see these interactions where Jesus has with the establishment, the religious establishment, and then we like to take it and send it to the margins. We like to take that and go, I get to do this to indigenous people to lgbtq people to progressive christians to whatever but don't you dare take away my right to protest or to do something in things that i think are the right things that we should all be defending or or whatever and instead of going
0: and that was some of the irony and some of the struggle i had yesterday was that some of the people who were um being really vocal about these blockades and demonstrations being inconvenient and disruptive were the same people who I stood in picket lines with as a child outside of clinics. Right. And, you know, I'm not super proud of that part of my upbringing because... <laughs> Now, as an adult, I see things differently. Not that I feel that abortion is, is the only way we, like, this is so hard, right? In the language. I personally don't feel that abortion is God's dream for humanity. I don't think any killing is. Right. But I also understand our social, our social structures don't support people in crisis anywhere along the spectrum. And so I understand what drives people to those decisions. And I certainly don't think that God's extra mad at them over top of anybody else. Right. <laughs> I don't and I believe that grace and forgiveness is there for for all. And I think things are a lot more complicated than we'd like to make them out to be. Yeah. And that's what this is about too, is that there is no in this issue in Canada right now um, of Indigenous voices rising out of, out of truth and justice and frustration of years of oppression, there's not a pan-Indigenous experience. All Indigenous people don't think one way. That's part of what the hot mess here is in our country, right. is that we have, I mean, provincially, we have a Métis leader who has taken one side of the argument And nationally, there's a different Métis leader who's saying, no, we as Métis people do this. And then you have different tribes popping up, saying different things. And even within this unceded territory, where I believe it's they have 20 chiefs and sub-chiefs who are involved in this this decision-making, they don't all agree. Because we are all people and individuals. And even if we, you know, we're all indigenous, doesn't mean we all agree, no more than all the women agree, or all the men agree, or... All the Pentecostals agree or, I mean, geez, this has been why we have 9,000 different denominations because all the Jesus followers can't even agree, right? Right. So I don't know why there's an expectation on indigenous people to have their crap together when nobody else in the world does. But the point is, is no matter where you fall politically, and this happens like in the states, there's all sorts of things going on there with Mm -hmm. people of different religious persuasions, agreeing or disagreeing politically, or um, theologically on different things. This is basically the crux of why we started this podcast is to try to walk together in a better way of disagreeing yeah, and a better way of loving while we work out what unity is and is not. And how do we find our voice and our faith and preserve the dignity of humanity around us in these transition times?
1: Yeah.
0: And that's where, You know, last night after I made my Facebook post and I was reading some people's responses and for the most part, I think people were thinking and that was all I was hoping. Some of the answers are puzzling, but some of them I understand. We're all trying to work this out. I don't have answers. Like I'm asking questions. And in the evening I was with another group of people and and, uh, we were talking and during the conversation, I just started writing down all these other questions that were popping up and all of these, like,
1: mm-hmm. can
0: we this if we can't this? And it was just back and forth. And in the midst of all of that, um, it was actually from First Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, came up and I wrote it all out. And that's a passage that talks about, you know, if I speak of ten- in tongues of men and angels and if I have the gift of prophecy and if I can understand all these mysteries and if I have all this knowledge and I have all this huge faith, and if I give everything I have to the poor and I suffer all these hardships, it actually means jack all if I can't love. That's right. you know I think that's in New King James the way that wording looks.
1: Probably it is. Or yeah. Something. But I think the phrase "jack all" was probably used more than we'd like to admit. But pretty we, much. We clean it up and translate it, <sighs> lovely. Yeah. I jack think all. <laughs> I just I I love. I think that that. It's we're grown up enough that we should be able to look at the way we handle disagreement and admit where we can grow and and so it's it's like it is a specific situation here in in Canadian politics that we're um, responding to, but I think there are broader themes that we can bring. Like maybe that doesn't affect you and it doesn't capture your attention. But, but I think the way that we engage with conflict needs to change if we're going to offer an authentic faith that people can be a part of. And I think I'm personally glad for people that, that are like, you know, there's something in me that just says that that's just not the way of Jesus. And you go ahead and call yourself a Christian, then I don't want to be that. If that's what truth and love, brother, looks like. Like, I just, I think there are some basic principles, whether it's in politics here, faith there, when we're dealing with other things, I think we need a new paradigm to engage in conflict with. And I think it has to be something above the dualism of, I'm completely right and you're completely wrong. And I see that playing out in so many places. And I want to invite us to elevate to the third way. To the way that holds many experiences and things like that when
0: well, this is what we talked about before though about how um evangelicals are just so damn uncomfortable with mystery mm-hmm. and yet they'll quote all of the bible verses but oh the mystery of the gospel and isn't it beautiful and no you're a liar you don't like it and it's okay to say you don't like mystery and it's okay to admit those things yeah it's not okay to force an absolutism Onto other people's faith. Yeah. If you want to live in your absolute land, that's between you and God, and I can't do anything about that. But what needs to be part of our understanding is my like faith isn't a one size fits all. Theology isn't. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's absolute is Jesus. And we have such a good example of how he mean, meant to live because he actually lived that way. Right. And we have this. Gift of the Holy Spirit within us that reminds us of the loving way, and we get to choose whether or not we're going to acknowledge that and follow it or not. Let's be honest with ourselves, and can we not be honest enough to say, you know, it scares me to say this, or it scares me to love this person, or I feel like there's a huge risk attached to extending grace here. Yeah, that's great. Like, just say that at least, and not choose the way of saying, well, I'm so right and they're wrong. Therefore I can't have that connection. Yeah. One of the responses last night in my post was about how God gives grace and mercy, but we don't have to serve and be in relationship with everyone. Therefore we don't have to love everyone. And I think it goes back to your understanding of what does love mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I'm talking about the way of Jesus and being loving, I'm not talking about staying in tight relationship in, with people who are toxic and damaging to you and to others. I'm talking about a general, broad respect for their humanity and a recognition that God created them too. They are image bearers also. Now they be maybe marring that image with the things they're choosing to be involved in or say or believe or think, but that's not your responsibility either. Your responsibility is to recognize the humanity in another person enough to treat them with dignity.
1: Yeah.
0: And I am blown away by the people in this world who have been treated like, I can't even find a word that does not involve curse words actually at this moment. And I'm a little bit jacked up, so I'm having a hard time, you know, holding it all together.
1: Yeah.
0: But I think of people like Nelson Mandela Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and, and others who have suffered greatly and unjustly and yet they speak of love and of dignity and of an ability to just in general recognize humanity and dignity and honor it
1: yeah and and i think so i would encourage us in our responses to maybe um I'm not going to say it in an accent, but hold the phone before we press send because we love to talk about how much we love Martin Luther King Jr. And we love to talk about how much we love Nelson Mandela. And we love to talk about how we're all for women's, like, we're so glad that women have the right to vote and drive cars, you know, but it's, but, but then when, that moment arrives on our doorstep we get so offended that we're inconvenienced and we get so offended that someone is challenging the status quo and it's not to say that that both sides maybe aren't being perfect and awesome all the time that isn't what this this conversation is actually not speaking to any of that but it's saying if you're inclination is to say they're inconveniencing me therefore I should celebrate when a truck goes like motoring through the blockade and forces people to scramble for fear of their lives and I go ha yeah shows them you try and block it like really we're gonna do that we're gonna be people who celebrate um trying to destroy another person like I don't care what your politics are. That's not the truth in love. That's not the way of Jesus. And we've forgotten who we are when we engage in that in this moment. And we need to elevate. We need to just go, I refuse no matter how much I disagree with the person across from me to forget that they are a human and they deserve safety. They deserve to be listened to and To recognize that so much of what we call good in this world has come through a pathway of protest. And we want to allow people different from us to protest in ways that don't inconvenience us. Protest is there because the system of listening has broken down. So how can we become people who will at least listen by virtue of your humanity and, and just be unwilling to participate in anything that would that would dehumanize another person because that's how we've allowed every human atrocity in our history. Let's learn from our history. It starts with dehumanization. I refuse to celebrate dehumanization. And sometimes we can't see it because of our own story, but here we are. We're here to bring a mirror to the situation and go, can we see where we're doing this? and stop it
0: and I, and my, my feeling and my point and my heartbreak and sadness in all of this is the church should be the first place to do this not the last Right. and it is devastating to me and I'm not even being dramatic it is devastating to me that people that I know and I love and I've learned from and taught and been in community with are propagating this idea of dehumanizing people they you know we all attended the same church that had a significant inner city ministry and so the very people that you're giving money to go and minister to are the ones you want to run over with your car and like it's that disconnect of humanity and somehow that putting money in the offering plate absolves you of actually having to acknowledge someone else's humanity. It's all these layers that, that I am just like struggling with in a really significant way. And the very human part of me and my own hypocrisy wants to, you know, stand on a street corner and condemn them all and hellfire and brimstone on your head. You bunch of twits and sanctified humans. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm at least sort of pressing pause on that and going, okay, even they are entitled to recognition of their humanity and understanding that there are life experiences and teachings and moments that have brought them to to this understanding of, or this moment of where they are.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And... It doesn't justify the things that shouldn't be happening, but it gives context and explanation. And I don't need to know every, everyone's junk. I just know everybody has junk.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think when we acknowledge that, that even those people who are vandalizing, even those people who are setting tires on fire on train tracks, trying to derail trains, even them, in although they're acting out, in a destructive way. There is a reason why they're doing it. Doesn't excuse the behavior, but it puts it in context where we might be able to say, yes, I recognize their pain and their frustration and their struggle. Just as much as I'm trying really hard to look at those churchy Mcchurch faces that I know and my own and go, I recognize their humanity. And I know that there are things that have happened and I know that there are encounters that they've had or teachings that they've had that have brought them to say these things now while we're all spread out in our own bubbles of humanity glaring at each other across the chasm can we not take a breath and love each other a little bit better and bring some understanding and some grace and let mercy and grace begin to fill this chasm between us so that we can at least hear each other
1: yeah i think that's That's the challenge, but it's the call to action. The call to action is refuse to dehumanize, become a listener. And in some ways I would want to say like, hold space for your own contradictions so that we can hold space for other people's contradictions. And my friend and I have talked about how much we, hate that expression hold space because it's super used right now but what other expression do we have like we want to project you know absolute purity and and uh monolith thought like but let's be a little more realistic than that we don't we're full of contradictions so let's make space for the contradictions in experience and and other people and and let's look at the the like when when we're pressed, when we're inconvenienced, what violence rises up in us that should shock us and and let us ask questions, where does that come from, and let's not just dismiss it with call out and gaslighting and you know or or I I don't know I am not even sure how to how to wrap that up except that it should give us pause when our response to inconvenience or our response to someone else's trying to tell us the truth of their experience brings violence as a way to stop it.
0: And it would also want to say, if you're someone who's listening and you tend to absolutisms, I want to give you a life raft. Your salvation and your worth is not tied to how right you are. Yeah. And you don't have to build your own justification and righteousness in order for Jesus to love you and in order for your voice to matter and in order for you to have value in the world, you can just be, and you can say, I don't know. And it's okay. And Jesus is there with you in the mystery. And there is something beautiful that happens when you surrender your desperate need to know what is right all the time. Instead, just cling to the one, you know, who is right. And let Jesus and the way of Jesus guide you. And I think that if we all took a moment out of Jesus' encounter with the women in the wild and we just sit beside those we don't understand, if you see a protest or a blockade or a sign or any expression that you don't understand and you think you disagree with, unclench your fists open up your palms and approach them and say can you explain this because I'm not sure I understand it fully or I don't understand your point of view or can we have a conversation and sit with a person and hear their heart not just their words and not just their political point of view or their theological stand but hear their heart in what they're saying that's where we start having moments of real connection and moments where we can not have to be in agreement, but still be in unity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my kids' friends was over a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling a story. I didn't realize it, but his dad had been a pastor up north for a while. And there are three, t- three churches in the town. His dad's church burnt down. And so his dad went to the next church over that had the closest theological association with him and asked if it was possible for them to run some other programs out of that church building While they got back on their feet and the person was adamantly opposed to it and just Mm -hmm. said absolutely not you're a heretic i can't have you here and i'm saying that their denominations were apart by degrees then the other church in the city which was absolutely a polar opposite to what or this little guy's, um, little guy, he's a grown adult now, so I've known him as (laughs) his So what this guy's dad um, believed, contacted his dad and said, listen, I I see what happened. And I would like to offer you time in our church. And it doesn't have to be in the basement. It doesn't have to be on off hours. I'll shift my Sunday services to this time so you've got some time on Sunday morning here. And they conducted church for the community together for years. And they did not agree theologically, but they both agreed on who their theology was based on. Mm -hmm. They both loved Jesus and loved their community and put that above everything else. And it was a story of a beautiful friendship that now this 20-year-old guy has this beautiful picture of what the church really could be. And I believe in that hope for all of us, where politics and theology and denomination And ideology doesn't have to align in order for us to see each other's humanity and recognize the good that the other is doing. Yeah. just walk alongside each other. Yeah. And um, I want to challenge you, if you're in an area where Indigenous people meet, powwows are open to everybody. Circle dances are meant for everybody to participate in. And I would encourage you to be brave enough to walk into those spaces because you're welcome. A was is an open celebration and it doesn't matter and you're going to walk in and feel awkward and like you're going to do all the wrong things. I felt the same way when I started going. Again, I went as a child and it had been years since I went, but seeing those expressions of community, regardless of where you are politically and whether you agree or not, but seeing another culture um, express community is beautiful. When mosques have open houses, go to them, eat their food. It's delicious. Their conversation is lively and loving and hilarious and inclusive. Join is what I'm saying. If if a Muslim neighbor invites you to feast with them, go and share a meal. Invite them to have barbecue with you. Just release some of your uptightness and engage in the community around you because that's what love is in action.
1: Yeah, I think we have confused approval and acceptance and we could practice a way higher level of accepting that people are having the experience the beliefs the opinions the journeys that they're having without having to approve of everything like and and if we're honest there isn't anybody that we fully and completely approve of everything they're doing but we do and we can accept a lot more than we have It doesn't, and if our truth is so shaky and our experience is so tender and fragile that it can't handle a different interpretation or a different understanding, then I wonder what we've built it on because that doesn't sound to me like something solid. And it sounds to me like you should be grateful for an opposite experience that is causing shaking in you because it's getting rid of everything that's not real. And and you might find that by accepting something that feels contrary to everything that feels important to you, will actually be the process of strengthening and refining what's in you without having to belittle and diminish somebody else's experience. And I love the um, expression. Ah, I want to say it's Paul Young who says that, that basically that Jesus will travel down any path to find you mm-hmm. and why don't we be confident enough in Jesus in us to do the same why don't we be willing to connect and to understand and to be a part of experiences and beliefs and ideas they don't have to threaten us because anything that gets shaken loose isn't the truth. Anyways, we just, we thought it was true, but the truth is what always rises. And, and so we can be confident of the source of love that's in us to go anywhere. Love, love wins. Love is bigger. Love drives out fear. Love moves away. All of, all of those things. And we can be confident that love actually is the way
0: true and so i just want to ask you the same question i asked last night can we fully love jesus if we do not love those who he loves just sit with that think about it let us know what you think let us know how you're showing love and living love and um just be brave enough to acknowledge your own hypocrisy and to give space for it to breathe so that you can grow past that. Because that's, I'm doing the same thing last night as I was stewing some stuff out. I had to confront my own hypocrisy and things also. And my own unloveliness and my own, here's the thing. When you hold on to pieces of hate, those are areas where there's no room for love to come into. And if I want to live a life of love and if I want to live a life that actually follows Jesus, I can't, I can't hold on to the hateful things because that means I'm missing out on parts of Jesus and that's not okay with me. And so I am actively trying to release those pockets of hate and exclusion that have been part of me and we each have them in different spots in our life so that we can let light and love in and let jesus go to work on that area also so let us know how you're loving and thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with our actual season premiere of
1: um, season two all right keep loving well you guys